Please join me for, in the prayer for illumination. Let us pray. Eternal God, in the reading of the scripture, may your word be heard, and the meditations of our hearts, may your word be known, and in the faithfulness of our lives, may your word be shown. Amen. Scripture comes from Matthew chapter 4, 18 through 22. As Jesus walked alongside the Galilee Sea, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, throwing fishing nets into the sea, because they were fishermen. Come, follow me, he said, and I'll show you how to fish for people. All right, they left their nets and followed him. Continuing on, he saw another set of brothers, James the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with Zebedee, their father, repairing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. And from Matthew ch chapter 20, 17 through 28. As Jesus was going up to Jerusalem, he took the twelve aside by themselves on the road. He told them, Look, we are going up to Jerusalem. The human one will be handed over to the chief priests and legal experts. They'll condemn him to get death. They'll hand him over to the Gentiles to be ridiculed, tortured, and crucified. But he will be raised on the third day. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus along with her sons. Bowing before him, she asked a favor of him. What do you want, he asked. She responded, say that these two sons of mine will sit one on your right and one on your left in your kingdom. Jesus replied, you don't know what you're asking. Can you drink from the cup that I'm about to drink from? They said to him, we can. He said to them, you'll drink from my cup, but to sit on my right or left hand isn't mine to give. It belongs to those for whom my father prepared it. Now when the other ten disciples heard about this, they became angry with the two brothers. But Jesus called them over and said, You know that those who rule the Gentiles show off their authority over them, and their high-ranking officials order them around. But that's not the way it will be with you. Whoever wants to be great among you will be your servant. Whoever wants to be first among you will be your slave. Just as the human one didn't come to be served, but rather to serve, to give his life to liberate many people. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So as we continue this sermon series, talking about uh, finding your path. Um, I, I don't know about you, but uh, for me growing up, I often thought uh, the way that I heard it from the pulpit was that faith was an on or an off experience. You, you either had faith or you didn't. Um, it, you know, you... Um, Anybody can pray the sinner's prayer. Anybody can walk down the aisle and give their life to Jesus. Anyone can, um, you know, have that um, summer church camp religious moment on the side of the lake at Lakeview looking across at the cross and give their life to Jesus. I mean, it's, it, it's, you either are or you aren't. And so because in some ways faith and discipleship has become an on and off switch, those of us who have journeyed into discipleship um, have found this huge, ambiguous place. And, and we can notice that there are people clearly ahead of us uh, that have um, found a way to have their uh, daily habits submit to Jesus. They have found a way to um, connect in uh, prayer with the Holy Spirit that they have found a way to not just look for easy places to serve and learn, but to sacrifice and to go to those difficult places. And it gets to be really hard because if you started the journey, it's so easy to say, well, I started there and you better start there too. Well, I, I was sprinkled or I was dunked or they used a super soaker on me and, and you gotta be that way as well. That we've allowed this pathway of discipleship 
to shrink to a tiny point. And so consequently, you ask people if they believe in God and about 90% will say yes. And you ask them if they are Christians and about 80% will say yes. And as you start getting down into the more core components of a spiritual life, it starts getting fuzzy. About 30% uh, don't have an identified denomination. About 50% don't actually have a particular church they would attend. Um, Those who do attend in that 50%, it's Christmas and Easter. You know, I mean, you get the idea, right? If the idea of being a disciple is so huge, how do we figure out whether we're stuck? How do we figure out where we are? How do we make sure that we don't take steps backwards? And how do we know to grab for what we need so that we can journey to the heart of God? So we've been on this journey uh, in terms of finding your path. And I want to say, say it every Sunday, um, no, we're not conforming you to a certain four steps. Um, Yes, uh, your discipleship journey is unique. Yes, uh, everyone is a child of God. (laughs) Yes, um, we do believe that if you look across uh, Christendom, that there are four basic places You could call them waypoints, rest areas, um, maybe uh, places where traffic just tends to clump up a little bit among Christians that we can describe and identify. So we started out by talking about those who are uh, just coming into a place of exploring. Uh, These folks are um, discovering Jesus. Um, They're not really even sure they're committed to Jesus. Um, They're kind of interested in a place where they can ask questions, where they can belong, where they won't be judged. And as you move from discovering Jesus, those who have committed life to Jesus, they uh, now want to conform their lives to Jesus. They want to be part of a church that will provide activities and, and faith opportunities, and, and they really want a role model that will show them how to make daily life into discipled life. Now, from those two places, um, discovering and exploring Jesus— we move towards what we're talking about today, which is traveling with Jesus. But see, before you get to traveling with Jesus, usually there is something, something that upsets your apple cart, something that turns the world upside down. It's a, a death, it's a diagnosis, um, it's a divorce, uh, it's something. And what you realize is that the way you thought the world worked and the way you thought faith worked um, is different. Uh, St. John of the Cross calls it the dark night of the soul. Um, You can find it, um, uh, Mother Teresa refers to it as a ceiling over her head that her prayers couldn't go past. We refer to it as hitting the wall. And to move through the wall, you go from faith is activity to faith is an intimate relationship with Jesus. This movement from an outward expression of faith to an inward expression of faith is that kind of movement through as we learn and journey towards the heart of God. So some of the things that we can notice between exploring Jesus and traveling with Jesus is exploring Jesus is very much about the relationship with Jesus, me and my Jesus. And the traveling with Jesus is now I'm noticing, I'm taking my head up, and I'm noticing that there are so many other people in the world. And I want to share with them, if there are um, those who are journeying on the path, about my path. And if they're not on the path, well, I want to say, hey, this is a great path. Come on along. So one of those differences is that private, just me and Jesus, in exploring Jesus, and then to traveling with Jesus, it's 
publicly sharing our faith and seeing faith in others. Uh, if exploring Jesus was about trying to grab a hold of a faithful moment in the uh, busyness of our calendars, traveling with Jesus is taking ownership of our spiritual development. In a lot of ways, exploring Jesus, folk in that phase, uh, they, um, they believe that going to church is an act of faith. Uh, they believe that if I go to an activity at the church, that I'm faithful. That faith happens at church and life happens everywhere else. See, now, traveling with Jesus, these folk have realized that, that faith just doesn't happen in the confines of the church, but I'm going to take responsibility, uh, ownership. I have learned that I don't have to wait for the preacher to do a sermon series on prayer. If I need to learn about prayer, I go figure a resource. I find a mentor. I dig deep in scripture, and I work on prayer because I know that's what I need, taking ownership for their spiritual development that um, if exploring Jesus um, is, <laughs> we've kind of worked with this idea that like, so the folk um, in discovering Jesus, Jesus is on the side of the road and they drove by. Um, and then here exploring Jesus, well, Jesus is in the car, but he's usually in the back seat and probably just passing out snacks, right? Not really determining where the car is gonna go. Traveling with Jesus, occasionally Jesus is in the driver's seat, but most often he's in the passenger seat. It's a, it's a companion along the way. Somebody we check in with. Somebody we must spend time with. We haven't really given up all the reins yet. What's really important about traveling with Jesus is the same way our scripture passage starts today in Matthew. Jesus says to the men who gathered on the shore, side, shore line uh, to fish, he says, come follow me and I'll show you how to fish for people. And right away they left their nets and followed him. N notice that it's following Jesus, not a, attending a church, not attending an activity. Uh, you know, in some ways, we, we tend to think of the fishermen on the shore as kind of like sports fishermen. They've just gotten done with a really good saltwater tournament. They're spraying down the, um, you know, 40-foot powered motorboat. You could call it a yacht or a vessel if you want to, you know, and they have trolled for King and for Marlin, and they have really enjoyed getting the trophies that will be there. Then they, they cast out and they pull in one at a time. Well, let me, you know, let me ask you to forget that image because A, um, modern combustion engines weren't uh, around in Jesus' time. <laughs> and so they had um, sailboats with uh, oars and they didn't have rods and lines they had a net that they cast it out. It's kind of interesting, right? If Jesus is gonna teach you how to fish for people, it's not, I got that one, I got that one, but it's the love of God being cast out, hoping to invite people in. Come follow me. Now, I admit that um, this is a predictable metaphor for me. Um, if you drove in, you passed, um, that thing that looked like a sailboat but doesn't, hasn't been in the water in a good six months, right? So think about sailing as a metaphor for discipleship. Prior to this stage, we gassed up the engine and we gunned the engine to the destination we wanted to go. And if the church or the pastor wasn't going where we wanted, hey, we'll go someplace else. But notice for sailing, a sailor can only go where the wind blows, can only go as fast as the wind will blow. And there are times when you can tack against the wind, but it'll be louder, 
it'll be rougher, and it will force you to lean over. Sailing is a beautiful metaphor for discipleship. Now, it's not that you give up everything and let the Holy Spirit do all of it. There's still a rudder on the sailboat, right? If you choose not to use that rudder, you are looking for disaster. My sweet daughter says, I'll go sailing with you, Dad, when that big metal bar doesn't come over and back all the time. That rudder, in the metaphor for discipleship, those are our spiritual habits, our spiritual formation practices, As Methodists, we call them means of grace. If there was a way that you could get a tangible experience of God's grace, you'd sign up for that one, right? Sounds great. Uh, Set me up. Well, John Wesley talked about the means of grace as being these certain places and time that God has already agreed to meet us in our relationship, not to judge us, not to call us to accountability, not to shame us, but to love us, to give us grace. Well, what are some of those places? Well, means of grace, uh, it would have been um, attending worship, uh, attending Bible study, um, attending to a Christian conference. Now, that's not annual conference. Thank us all, Jesus. But it's the ability to have full conversation in a peace-filled environment for greater understanding and for the edification of the gospel. Now, now there's also um, serving and caring for the poor. And then this last one I still haven't figured out, fasting. John Wesley said, thank you, Matt Edquist, right? Uh, John Wesley said that Jesus would, uh, God would show up and give us grace in fasting. I've not tried yet. Um, But that rudder, spiritual habits, means of grace are the rudder as we go along on this sailing experience called discipleship. Characteristics of people who travel with Jesus, that they are invested in a relationship with Jesus, that they're going deeper with spiritual disciplines. And here's what they need. They need encouragement and inspiration. Encouragement, I'd like to think of as somebody behind you saying, you can do it. You can do it. Go! Inspiration is different. Inspiration is somebody who's at the finish line, somebody who's looking back and saying, I know you're hitting the wall, but you can do it. Imagine what it will be like. Dream of what it will be like. And then put your dreams into action. Encouragement, support for discernment, direction, and inspiration. Notice that this isn't about role models. This is not about activities, right? What traveling with Jesus folk need is not a church with a full calendar. What they need are places and uh, intimate relationships of mentoring and coaching where somebody ahead of you says, come on, you can do it. When we look at uh, those habits and means of grace uh, in the MOVE study, which was a uh, national study of uh, Christians in all sizes of churches, all denominations, when they identified folk who were traveling with Jesus, that most of them, 80%, did all these things. Read the Bible, reflected on Scripture, pray for guidance, pray to confess their sins, and all of this at least several times a week. And with similar frequency, over half of them would listen to God during quiet times of solitude. Do you see the shift? It's not, I'm going to do what the pastor says, 
But now it's I'm going to get still and listen for the voice of God. These spiritual habits are the means of growing in grace. um, it, It is a sense of personal responsibility in many ways. Um, traveling with Jesus, folk identify themselves as cherished children of God apart from performance. You see, it's, it's those folk who are exploring Jesus who've already decided they've sinned too much and they got to get right with Jesus to be right. Traveling with Jesus, folk have realized that God's grace is available to me no matter how good or bad I am. It's just my job to be able to use that word of confession to find a way to be and allow the Holy Spirit to shape me. The relationship that they need with the church is a place uh, to receive, apologies for the typo, to receive, oh, another one, encouragement and support. Remember, it's about encouragement and support and challenge. I really think the key piece around traveling with Jesus, the key piece for the disciples as they were called by Jesus and left everything they had, is that the choice to make Jesus as a priority is an essential part of growing as a disciple. You cannot have everything as a priority. You cannot separate life and faith. I loved one of the comments from the video. I have a hard time talking about my faith separate from my life because it's all just enmeshed together. Do you see that inward focus? Um, If you were to look at prayer over the course of discipleship, uh, folk who are still exploring or, or trying to discover Jesus, they pray probably at the side, um, you know, uh, um, in a time of um, great anxiety, Lord Jesus, help me, right? That's a fully formed prayer. It's got all the pieces. Somebody who's committed their life to Jesus, it's more of a, um, hey God, will you take care of my grandmother who's sick? Will you take care of my neighbor who lost his job? Will you take, will you take, will you take, do you see the activity involved in that prayer? Traveling with Jesus. Traveling with Jesus is, I wake up in the morning, and I say, God, where will we travel today? Completely different. I'm no longer waiting for somebody to set the agenda. I'm no longer asking for God to make activity. But I'm asking God to let me come along on the activity that God's going to do. The choice is to make a way towards life. Uh, now, um, choosing ways to live, right? Choosing ways to live are about wellness. Uh, Choosing ways to live is about um, health of body and health of mind and health of relationships. It's about financial health. And you can imagine with me that there's probably, not everybody's perfect, amen. Um, I'm not perfect, right? But I can think about those places where I'm really not perfect. And I can say, oh my gosh, yes. I know when I choose to do that, it's unhealthy. Usually it's when I choose to use the credit card without my wife's knowledge. Can I get an amen from somebody, right? But you know what the pathway to life is. And really, you know, at the end of the day, we all know how to have a budget. We all know how to eat healthy. We all know how we need to exercise. We all know what it means to have healthy relationships. It's not the lack of knowledge that keeps us from choosing life. It's the lack of choosing that helps us to not choose life. And the piece about traveling with Jesus is that you have chosen, chosen to take responsibility for yourself, chosen to feed yourself and others, chosen to live into the definition of a forgiven and loved child of God apart from your performance. 
choosing. I said, if I was a comic book hero, this would be my nemesis right there. I push it, and then it goes, yay. Uh, the gift, right? Because remember, the, this is not about um, fours are spiritual giants and ones are nothing. It's not about um, where you are on the journey. All of us are children of God, saved by grace, loved by the creator of all. And so there's a gift in each of those waypoints, those rest areas, those places where we gather together. And the gift of traveling with Jesus is that we learn to rest in grace and know that God's love is not dependent on our success or our failure. That's a beautiful gift to rest in the relationship. That in traveling with Jesus, we begin to realize that God is, is not the judge who will condemn us, that God is not the, um, the parent who will shame us, that God is not the vending machine that says, you don't have the right coins or the right prayers, I'm not giving you any blessings today. And we find that God is very much like the friend who has known us forever, has seen us at our worst and knows us no matter what. You have that friend, don't you? I mean, they might not live in town. They, you might not be able to see them every week. Maybe it's every five or six years, but there's that person who knows you and loves you and knows all the junk that's come and gone. Traveling with Jesus, the gift is knowing that you're loved despite your successes or your failures. Okay, I want the one with challenges. Thank you. But lastly, traveling with Jesus, right? Remember that the whole idea of having a discipleship pathway is to know where you are so that you can avoid the hurdles that might keep you, that you can work hard on not falling backwards and that you can reach for what you need. And so the challenges, the, 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 the challenges are um, that if you choose not to go public with your faith, it's gonna be hard to travel with Jesus. If you don't push beyond the me and my Jesus to an idea of serving others, why? As Jesus would. So it's not about, well, they look like me, I'll help them. Or, or yeah, we're in the same Sunday school class, I'll bring a meal to them. It's not about, they, they live in my zip code, uh, or, or um, uh, you know, they, they, they came from the same place that I came, or they're, they're Aggies, or they're Longhorns. It's not about your selection and preference on who to help, but we help and care for those whom Jesus has served. That's the challenge. That's hard. And we get stuck in this place when we avoid intimacy with Jesus, when we choose simple studies and practices, and we choose service opportunities that are safe or easy. Traveling with Jesus is about stretching, and stretching gets uncomfortable. But in that uncomfortable moment, we figure out all that God has encouraged us to be. I want to really encourage you. You know, when we look at the opinion polls that people outside church uh, say, uh, words that they say about people inside church, you've heard me say this before, there's three top categories. Three things that people unchurched will say about people who are church is that we are uh, judgmental, hypocritical, and anti-gay. I don't know about you, but, but I haven't said anything about go thou and be hypocritical. I've not said anything about go and be judgmental. But what we have talked about today is that traveling with Jesus is recognizing that you are a forgiven, loved child of God apart from your performance. Wouldn't you agree that the world that we live in, 
could benefit from that. I want to close really quickly. I love the last part of the scripture passage for today. I love that um, James and John's mother shows up to see Jesus. Did you catch that part, right? The, the, the um, mother of the sons of Zebedee shows up and says to Jesus, I'm so excited because, uh, you know, uh, apparently helicopter moms were present um, in Jesus's day, right? She says, all right, Jesus, can you promise that my sons are going to be regional vice presidents in heaven? And he says, that's not, not for me to do. That's for God to choose. But can you walk my path? Can you drink my cup? And remember that in the world, people have power and influence and they tell people what to do. And the most important people have the most power. Never forget in God's kingdom, the one who is first should be last and should be the servant of all. There's the heart of traveling with Jesus. It's not hitting all the activities on the church bulletin. It's not doing what the pastor says exactly. It's about being encouraged, being inspired, and traveling with Jesus. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.